When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Record Celtic Podcast. I'm Graeme Young and today I'm joined by Craig Swan and our very special guest Chris Sutton. On the pod today, we look at the big fixture release as Celtic get ready for a showdown with rivals Rangers in October, but will fans be back inside the stadiums? It's also transfer season and we'll be discussing all the latest in Fraser Foster, plus the options available to Neil Lennon ahead of a season for the ages. And we'll also take a wee trip down memory lane as Chris remembers one of Celtic's best seasons during his time at the club, included a 25-game winning run and has plenty of parallels with the season ahead. So thanks, Chris. Thanks, Craig, for joining us today. Um, an action-packed uh, podcast that we'll watch us obviously the looking forward to today. And we'll start with the announcement for yesterday. The fixtures are out. It's going to be a season unlike any other, and Celtic supporters are already circling October 17th in their calendar. Well, in pencil at least, the game could obviously be moved. To the following day, Celtic Rangers face off, hopefully in front of fans at Celtic Park, uh, with a later kickoff date, supercomputer or otherwise. Surely Scottish football benefits from the game's marquee matchup, but allowed every chance to avoid being played inside an empty stadium. What do you think, Chris? Um, well, I, I mean, if I'm being honest, who really cares? What, you know how the fixtures fall. I think there's been far too much made of this. I can honestly say, as a player, I, I never really looked at the fixtures. I mean, in a league programme, you have to play everybody the same amount of times. I know you have to split as well, but you get what I mean by that. So people who are you know, coming up with conspiracy theories about a, a computer and how it falls, who cares? I mean, who, who actually really, really cares about that? And, uh, you know, I don't... <laughs> That's the long and the short of it. I, I don't. I, I just really don't get what the big furor is about this. Celtic have to play Rangers sometime. If it's in October, if it's in August, then you know it, it is what it is. I don't think that. Um, I think we, we did a column on this the other week, myself and Craig. I don't think that um, you know fixtures uh, should be put into suit Celtic and Rangers, and the, and the and the you know calendar actually moved because of Celtic or for Rangers. You know that wouldn't be right and fair across the board, the fixtures fall as they fall. I do take the point, Chris, though, that maybe you want it to be as fair as possible um, in terms of, you know, the the teams playing each other. And that will always happen, as you suggest, because everybody's got to play each other uh, in the same amount of times during the season and then it splits and that's fine. I think the point is maybe that if you're talking about showcasing Scottish football around the world, You'll speak to an awful lot of people, whether they be in England or Spain or Germany or anywhere, who will say they only tune in to watch one game. Um, and the only game that they want to watch from Scottish football is Celtic and Rangers. So if they're trying to showcase the Scottish game around the globe, 
then pushing it right back to the very last round of fix, the very last game in that round of fixtures to give fans as much uh, to give as much of a chance to get fans in. I can I kind of understand why they would do but, that. But they're, get, they're guessing, aren't they? Yeah, but I think yeah, but what I was just going to say, Chris, is I think it's slightly different from an argument that there was before. There was like arguments put up before, maybe two or three weeks ago, to say, well, why don't all the old firm games be in 2021? Why don't we have all four of them after the turn of the year? And that way, fans will definitely be back. That would be completely wrong. You can't change the league just to suit Rangers and Celtic and a game between them. It has to be fair all the way around. But I think to, to make it the last game of the first round of fixtures to give it the best possible chance to get some fans in even. I mean, to be honest with you, if it, unless it's 50,000 or 60,000, you know, absolutely, Phil, it kind of won't be the same anyway. And I think the chances of that happening in October are virtually zero. But they obviously want to try and get some people in. So I can I can see why they did it. I can see why they did it. So elsewhere, Chris, you said then the it wasn't, the fixtures weren't something you were immediately looking out for in terms, but see for the current Rangers team and how they're made up. Who do you think has the advantage in terms of both teams getting to play every other uh, side in the league first before they play each other? There's a lot of pressure on Celtics, we know, going for the uh, title. Rangers are obviously going to have to keep up with Celtics. Something they've managed last season in the first half of the season. But who do you think it favours that the game's taken place after they've played 10 games? But how can how can that favour anybody? I, I don't I don't I really don't understand that. There seems to have been uh, a lot made of the fact that Celtic have Hamilton at home first game and Rangers have Aberdeen away. There's, there's a strong argument to say that you know, Aberdeen uh, away, which has been a tough fixture for Rangers over the years with no fans. You know you could you know you could you could argue that suits them, but it doesn't work like that. I mean, I just. You, you have to play everybody. I so, agree with that, Chris. I think that's a big... Yeah. I, 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 James Tavernier talked about that situation last year, just before the shutdown, when Rangers had been knocked out of the cup by Hearts and um, they dropped points in away games. And he said that when the, when, when the home fans got a sniff and, and they got into the... He used the phrase, got into the faces of, of the Rangers players, they, kinda, they, they couldn't handle it. They, they struggled. Now, Rangers will always find it tough to deal with a crowd at Pataudry the Aberdeen crowd really don't have much time for Rangers and it's always a feisty game and they always get after get after the Rangers players up there. It's a, To me, it's a benefit to Rangers to be playing in the opening day at Aberdeen with no fans in. But, I mean, these things are going to level themselves out, but some of the stuff I'm hearing about are fixture computers. People who should know better. <laughs> fixture computers that have fixed it so that Celtic have got an easy start. I mean, honestly, when is that stuff ever going to end? I mean, it's almost like a, a blame. It's someone's to blame already. A ball's not even catch it. Mm. Someone's to blame already for how results might go. I mean, but it's that, farcical. But, but that's the norm, isn't it? Is everybody's lo- everybody's looking for situations that aren't there. Been, there. Th- th- but aren't even there. Some, yeah, but there's been some quite high-profile people involved who have been commenting on this. I mean, it's 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 actually laughable. People who have played yeah. the game. Talking yep. about conspiracies over over the way the fixtures fall when you have to play everybody anyway. I mean, you couldn't you couldn't actually make that up. That tells you what you know the the, the feeling up there and and you know we know what's at stake. But you can't you know you have to play everybody. What thirty eight games uh, in the season? I mean, 
that that's it. You know, it's it's about endurance. It's about consistency. Seeing it through, Rangers haven't done that the last couple of seasons. Uh, after Christmas, they they have fallen away. That's their big issue. Not not playing Aberdeen and blaming Neil Doncaster or whoever for for the way the fixtures fall. And I think I think Celtic would be this. I think we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago, Chris. But I think Celtic are proven players who can cope with big games, big atmospheres, big pressures, big strains. They can cope with that better. They've shown that they can cope with that better through the years. I think if anyone's going to be disadvantaged by not having people inside stadiums, it'll be the Celtic players, the ones who've shown that they can cope with it. Yeah, but I, but, uh, do I agree with that to some extent? But if I was a Celtic player going into this season, of course, you know, home advantage is important. It's important to all teams. But I wouldn't be using that as an excuse if things don't go or didn't go my way and Celtic don't win the league. I wouldn't blame it on coronavirus. No. I mean, Rangers actually. I mean, just, just imagine had Rangers got Hamilton. I know it couldn't fall that way because Rangers had to be away first. Had got Hamilton at home first game. They lost to Hamilton, didn't they, last yeah. season? So would yeah. they be saying, you know, that's a, that's a really favourable yes. picture in that You're respect? You're right, Chris. It, ma- it matters not so a lot. Everyone's going to play everyone. I don't know. I, I actually don't know any player who I ever played with. I mean, of course, you want to, you know, you want to see who your first game is about just because, you know, because you do for no other reason. But I don't know any other player who actually ever really thought, oh, uh, you know, it's important we get such and such a team first, because you can look you can look at it both ways, can't you? I mean, you know, if you're playing a so-called smaller team, you think, well, let's hope we're ready and they don't catch us cold if you're. If you're playing one of the one one of the big teams, you'd be thinking, "What an opportunity! Start the season strongly, and we'll kick on from there." I mean, yeah. the people who are involved in all that just really don't have a clue. Well, turning away from the pictures, we're onto the transfers just now as well, and obviously that's a massive uh, subject for Celtic fans are desperate to see who maybe incomings, outgoings, what's going on uh, at the club. Um, I think we look at Fraser Foster. Neil Lennon admitted on Monday that other options are being considered uh, as the first-choice keeper last uh, for next season with the big Englishman appearing likely he's not going to come back to Celtic. So we know Joe Hart, David Marshall, Vasilius Barkas, among other names in the frame, and Swanee Putney in the spot here for 12 yards out. Who do you think will be Celtic's number one for next season? He's good from 12 yards, Swanee is. <laughs> Golf. <laughs> Listen... I think that's what we're all trying to find out. I'm, I'm not. I'm not uh, <laughs> if I knew that, it would be in the back of the paper today. Mm. Um, you, you put him on the spot. He's not coming up with much. You put me on the spot. I still wouldn't give up on the fact that Fraser Foster might still come back. The, I just think I never. I remember. I, I don't know if it was when Kieran Tierney was leaving Celtic to go to Arsenal, and it was like one day it was on and one day it was off, and then it wasn't happening, and then it was happening, and then you know I don't think anything definitive has come yet. To, you know, I think there could always be room for negotiation in these things. Um, the vibe always seemed to be from the player. Without us going into too much detail, we spoke about it last week. Um, Celtic have to look at other options, of course they do, because you know Fraser Foster might decide in the end he's, he's definitely not coming, and Ralph Hasenhutl might say he's the number one, and he's not coming back, and Celtic will have to find someone else. They can't just sit about and not look for anybody else, or not explore avenues, or not speak to clubs. 
or speak to agents and find out what it's going to cost and find out what, it, what you know what the packages will be to bring other people there. But so I think while that's going on, one, well, Scott Bain, I think Neil Lennon provided the answer to that question last year when he signed Fraser Foster. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, if you're asking, could Scott Bain be number one? He was number one for Brendan Rodgers for a spell. I don't think he was. I don't think anybody by any way, any means, could claim he was a disaster or anything like that. He did okay, did fine. Um, Celtic won trophies when he was in goal. Do you think? Um, he was but, Neil, but Neil Lennon answered that question last this time last year, didn't he? Yeah. When, when yeah. he came into Celtic, he saw Scott Bain and Craig Gordon, and he decided, no, I need a number one that's better than that, and he signed Fraser Foster. So I think there's, I think that's your answer. I don't think Scott Bain. Now, there is a difference in the market this year. We know there's a difference in the market. We know the English Premier League is going to have a big gap in August before their new season starts again in September. If you're Celtic, do you think, well, OK, we'll go with Scott Bain until it gets to the start of the English Premier League season when the window's still open mm-hmm. and see then if Fraser Foster's second choice behind Alec McCarthy, if he'll come then? Or do you have to solve it now? I suspect that, that, they probably if, have to solve it quick. But there's a lot of time to run yet. A lot of time to run. But if you're Neil Lennon, you'd you'd give Fraser Forster time, Every wouldn't chance. you? Unless unless uh, you know something really comes out of the woodwork where you think, blimey, you know, I can't I can't turn this down. And there's not there's not meant too many keepers out there who you would think Celtic have a a reasonable chance of signing who are going to be equally as good as Fraser Forster. No. And the fact that, I mean, as far as what I've seen, and you can put me away here, Swanee, I don't mind. I've seen nothing too definitive that says Fraser Forster uh, is definitely off. Celtic will be trying. The, the strange one which, um, you know, which which I, you know, have been thinking about is I I don't see Fraser Forster being in a position where he's going to be number one at Southampton. I may be miles off the mark here, but, he, you know, he was he was third choice. He's not going to go from third to first. If Ralph Hasenhutl, and it was his call to put him as number three, thought he was number three back then, I can't see him moving from three to one just on the, uh, on the basis of what he did at Celtic, however good it was. Ralph made that decision for a reason, so I suspect that Hasenhutl will, you know, stick with McCarthy. And uh, and it'll be interesting how the Forster thing pans out. Does he have another offer? I don't know. I think he could help the situation by actually coming out and and clarifying what his position is, though, whether he still wants to come back or or he doesn't. Ultimately, I don't care what anybody says. I understand the finances involved. If Fraser Forster wants it to happen, he can crowbar this move. He can make this move. So in terms of last week for... Mohamed El Yunusi, uh, the first incoming of the summer for Celtic. That was rubber stamped with last uh, last week's pod was uh, being recorded. Swanee, what, what do you think Celtic fans should be expecting in the weeks? I know you've touched upon there about this extended transfer window, but maybe just an insight what fans maybe expect before the season itself starts uh, in August. I think El Yunusi is a great signing um, based on what, what what's the Celtic fans got to see of him when he got to peak fitness last year. Um, that two month spell through sort of September, October, two and a half month spell even in November before he got injured. He was excellent. He was really, really good. He scored goals, he made goals. When he got fat, he looked sharp. Um I think we made the point last week that 
you know, he can play a couple of positions. He can play off the front. Uh, Neil Lennon said he could play almost off a striker as a, as a second striker, you know, even a wee bit next to Edward, if need be. If that situation ever came, we all know he can play off the left-hand side and be good. Um, so he was almost like signing two players in one. I think that's a really good signing. Um, I don't think you have to be a super agent to work out, looking at the people who have gone at the door, that Celtic fans should probably be expecting a centre-half. Um, the left side of the defence, possibly, with Johnny Hayes being allowed to go. Um, Greg Taylor's there, but volleyball and goalie didn't play at all in the second half of, of last season, so you'd suggest there might be something else needed there. But getting El Yunusi was a big, big piece of the jigsaw, I think, for Neil Lennon. Uh, he's been there, he knows what's required. He showed that he was good enough and that's a major position which needed filled, the left side of the, the attack, because I think, as, as Chris had touched upon a couple of weeks ago, they tried various things and it didn't really work when he wanted to play the, the yeah. 4-2-3-1 after El Yunusi got injured, you know, swapping Forrest to the other side or playing Christie out there. It didn't really work. It was a great balance in the team in that system when El Yunusi played. Now, of course, it'll be different if he wants to play 3-5-2. He might have to try and work another way of doing it, but as, as we've said on countless occasions here, you don't just go into a season or even a game with one system. You need to be able to change things. And he's can't be a one-trick pony. You can't be, no. And he's um, he's massive for that. He'll he'll help adapt into a variety of places, I would think. Yeah, and also the, the volume of games Celtic play naturally. You know, it'll be interesting to see how Neil uses him but once he's up to speed and fully fit as we saw he did take a while to get up to speed but that's naturally missed a lot of football didn't he wasn't a regular yeah. at Southampton so but once he was up to speed he, he, he did look good so I think that's a, it's a smart piece of business but that can't be the end of the business now they, I know, think it's a very people. good I think it's a very good point you make Chris about the, the volume of games especially for the attacking players we, we, we talked mm. about it but now that we've actually seen the fixture list um, for all the clubs but if you take in the fact that you know, Celtic could have you know the four qualifiers. Okay, they're only they're only one leg for the first three, but there's three, two for the playoff, five, um, maybe six in the group stages of the Champions League or the Europa League, wherever they end up. That's eleven. Um, the Betfred Cup's going to be going on, fifteen, maybe a Scottish Cup final and semi-final, seventeen. The league games, Scotland internationals for Forrest, McGregor, Griffiths maybe. They're talking about something in the region of seven or eight of them before the turn of the year. You're talking well in excess of 40 games mm. before you, you get... You... It is a lot. And, and, and it was shown last the last couple of seasons, the break yeah. in Dubai did Celtic a massive favour. They got away and they refreshed and they re-energised because they did look out on their feet at times in the last two or three Decembers. It's going to be a, a big ask. But, I, but everyone's in the same boat. And... The flip side of that is Celtic have got the biggest squad and they should have the biggest and the best squad. So it, it works both ways, but there's a lot of strain going to be placed on a lot of people this year. Mm. Yeah. So, Chris, I was hoping you could maybe take us down a wee bit, uh, down memory lane to the 2000... I'm, I'm glad you were hoping. We've <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> got the 2003-2004 season... Um, I think what many, year was that? Which season was that? Which was uh, that the Seville? Yeah, it was the year after Seville, Chris. So, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you were about 34, right? Yeah. 24 yeah. league wins in the spin. Uh, but one of the interesting things about that side wasn't a lot of transfer business uh, concluded. It was only Stan Vargas' loan was turned into a permanent deal. Michael Gray uh, was signed at the last minute on transfer deadline day. 
Yeah, that was that was desperation. That was to get Michael Gray in. I can tell you. <laughs> but there's something about that side that was, I think, from maybe John Hart's even a couple of seasons earlier. It had been the spine of the team had been together for a long time, and that season, it straight out the block, Celtic were on fire and were able to put Rangers to to the sword. Really, is that something the current side? It might, it might not be as much transactivity. A lot of guys like Brown, Forrest, McGregor have been together a long time. That that must be vital because obviously the development of the pitch with COVID-19 and going for 10 in a row, how important is that kind of strength inside the dressing room? Um, yeah, and Swanee's mentioned, um, you know, the likes of Forrest and Brown and, and, and the importance uh, of those players. They've been there, they've done it, and McGregor, of course. Um, and and consistency, and that that's been the key. That's been the difference. The last couple of seasons is is Celtic have had their go-to men, and and Rangers have talked about their go-to men, and you know we've seen it the last couple of seasons where there's been a lot said in the in the press and in the media and in the papers about what they're going to do, but then they they can't back it up. So therefore, they cannot be called their go-to men. They have to prove themselves. With with what is it at stake this season? I mean, there's go, there's going to be a determination. Of course, there is. Um, for Steven Gerrard at the helm, he'll be smarting. You know, he's come up big reputation. Uh, so far, it's been powder puff. Haven't won anything. They haven't pushed Celtic. He hasn't stopped the nine. Uh, he he needs to stop the ten. Doesn't want to be the manager who's who's seen as the guy who didn't stop the ten. They've they've chucked money at it. There'll be there'll be a real will from Rangers. The question will be, have they got the bottle? Celtic players have been down the stretch time and again. But Celtic can't. They can't rest on on the laurels. They can't think about the past and and what they have done. But you know, with the likes of Brown and what he's achieved. Uh, as a as a Celtic player, McGregor and Forrest, they they know how to win, and I do think that that has an importance. That when you get uh, to the business end of the season, grinding out the games, grinding out the wins, and and that that has simply been the difference. Celt- uh, Rangers have very very capable players, but for for whatever reason, they have been serial chokers the last couple of seasons, and that's something that they have to address. And if I was Rangers, my message to them at this moment in time would be, you know, don't talk. Don't, do your talking on the pitch. Don't don't tell us what you're going to do to Celtic and that, and that, that you're, you're getting closer and, and, and we're better prepared this season. Do your talking on the pitch. Learn lessons of the past. Learn from the likes of Martin O'Neill when he first came up and talked about Rangers being the benchmark. Try and take the pressure off the players because they simply haven't done that. You know, you, you, you cannot, you cannot and should not, as, as players who have won next to nothing other than the petrol tank cup, start talking about the, a team who, are, who have been so far ahead of you. You can't talk about being in the same stratosphere as them until you've been there and done it. So Rangers players really should keep their mouths well and truly shut and just try and get into a mode where they are grinding out wins and showing the consistency. And at the end of the season, if they then go and, and, and stop the 10, I'll take my hat off to them. But I, I don't see at this moment in time with the players that Celtic have at their disposals, unless they have horrific injuries, I don't see the Rangers uh, 
challenge coming from across the city as, as, as a serious threat to Celtic because they, you know, have been serial losers the last couple of seasons. That has been as simple as that. And they can't say anything different. And they might not, me, they might not like me saying that, but that is the way that it has been. And, and to stop being called serial losers, you have to go out and win something. I think what you're also talking about, Graham, is a continuity issue. I think, again, it's something we've touched on already, but there's going to be so many different things um, at the start of this season with the, the new normals and you know, no supporters in grounds and all that. You want to try and keep things as, as, as close to normal as you possibly can. Obviously, Celtic are going down to their, their, their camp this week um, down in England. They're then going to get to go to France, play some pre-season games. You know, that's a, bit, that's a good thing for them, you know, because at the moment, as we speak at the moment, they're still not all clear for friendlies. You want to try and keep the build-up as normal as you can. Then Celtic have got players that they know, they know each other inside out. And it's also quite tricky in the sense I understand I've heard it many times teams should always try and strengthen when they're in front and, and Chris has touched on it you know you never rest on laurels and he's quite right you know try to add a couple of faces if you can but it's not quite so easy in the sense that you know I heard Graham Soonis talking on the television the other night about whenever one of the Liverpool front three isn't there he worries because the drop down to the standard of Origi isn't to the level of Mane, Firmino and, and Salah and you get that, but how do you convince a player of that standard to come and sign for Liverpool when you're basically saying you're not going to play? You're only going to play if one of these other three guys is injured. You're not going to get a top player. And in many respects, Celtic have that issue because how can you convince... Chris has talked about you know possibly adding in the striker department. How are you going to get a really, really good striker to come when Odson Edwards there? And you know you're not going to play. Or you know if, if they play the one up. Or... You know, if it's to Lee Griffiths, okay, he might partner him. But you, you understand what I'm getting at. How do you get a certain level of midfield player to come? Well, we all know Callum McGregor and Scott Brown are going to start every week. It's mm. it's not quite as easy. There's obviously positions that they need filled. Centre-half, the left side of the defence, we said goalkeeper. But So having the continuity is going to be quite important. It's the same group again, but I think that might be a good thing. But the striker one's very, very interesting, isn't it? Because I, I really couldn't sit there at this moment in time and I haven't spoken to Neil, but I you know, got the feeling, and we saw it by his team selection at the end of the season. Or When I say team selection, we saw it by uh, the fact Klimala couldn't get on the bench. Bio yeah. was, was, was left out of the squad on numerous occasions. I do think that Neil has to be ruthless in this respect. And, I, and where I slightly disagree with you, I think Edward, of course, keep him. He's, a, you know, he's going to play every week unless Neil rests him. But there is, a, there is another position up for grabs. That's and fine. While, Chris, he, he will need rested. He will need rested. Well, Edward, Edward, Edward will need resting. But, yes. but I think the bigger point is I was really impressed with uh, Lee Griffith's attitude, the way he got back into the team. And we've talked about this many times. We're not going to go over it again. He was a major part in Celtic kicking on. But, you, but you, we, we can't all honestly sit here and say that uh, Neil, as a Celtic manager, would have total faith in uh, in Lee and uh, in playing consistently. Playing 50 well. games so, is what you so, mean. Yeah. So, so therefore, if Klamala's not up to it and Bio is not up to it, then Neil will have to get somebody in. 
he can't afford if he wants to play two up and and, and Lee Griffiths. You know, it may be a big ask in playing three games a week regularly. Yeah. But yeah. that's not unreasonable to say. So, but my, but my point is, what sort of standard can you convince to come up? What you know, what yeah. sort of standard a striker can well, you convince to come but, and be basically the benchman until these guys need rested? But this, is the, you know, this, this has been an age-old argument, hasn't Aye, it? It's tricky, uh, honest. And you know, we talk about the scouting network, network. But this is why it is so important that Celtic uh, they get the signings right, and with the likes of Bio. There's no doubt that there is a question mark over him. So you'd have to say, in terms of a piece of business, was that good business at this moment in time? The jury is well and truly out. And you'd have to say the same for for Klimala. They haven't done what, albeit this is tough on them, but they haven't done what has been expected. They haven't developed the way we would have expected them to develop in a short, albeit in a short space of time. Hence, with with the ten at stake... Yeah. Neil needs to be absolutely ruthless and Celtic may need to be ready to move and move quickly. But, you, you know, you're talking about levels of player. I still think Celtic is an attractive proposition this season with what is at stake. And the fact that there still will be another position up for grabs, because while, while Griffiths, I, ca- I cannot see Griffiths playing the whole season with the way that he's had, you know, injury issues. Neil will have to use him, wrap him in cotton wool and, uh, and, and try and stay on top and monitor uh, Lee's whole fitness situation all season. That's not, I'm, I'm not giving Lee Griffiths a kick here. I'm just saying the realism is, is, you know, he has had injury problems and yeah, it will be, you know, it, it, he's not going to, you know, manage three games a week, every week. Odds and Edward will need to come out of the team at times. So, I wouldn't be surprised if Celtic do move in that in that department, unless Klimala is tearing up trees. He's put on weight, but uh, or, or put on bulk, I should say. When Johnny Hartson used to put on weight, we used to worry. <laughs> <laughs> I bet so, uh, the, the good thing is that um, Lee's had a good full pre-season um, right from the first day, so that's going to help him. Um, but obviously, he had he had time out of football for. For, for these issues that he's, that he's talked about and, and that set him back a wee bit and then just it looked like he was getting up to speed again and, and he had that setback last year having hardly missed a day of pre-season so mm. um, you're right Chris it would be a slight concern about just being able to play three games a week every week for such a long period but listen well, fingers it, crossed it, it, they can because he's an yeah. absolute live wire when he's on fire yeah and you you know you mentioned the systems and the fact that it, it's a, it, it's very nice for Neil Lennon to be adaptable, isn't it? So if he wants to play the the two up, but if if anything does happen to Lee and he gets injured, then the fact that the others aren't firing, then he's going to be forced into playing the four two three one. But there, which, there was a school, which, there was a school I thought play. there was a school I thought last season, Chris, that the that the three five two was basically only available because Lee was fat mm. again. In fact, yeah. Byron coming back from Dubai, he wasn't really ready before then. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Because if he hadn't been available, I don't think Neil Lennon would have been able to change it. No, no, absolutely. And you can't, you can't crowbar somebody up. You can't play Christie further forward or El Yanusi further forward. You know, you play that system because you have two proper strikers. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. The one thing is, though, I mean, if you're with it, with it, with it, with the problems with 
COVID-19 that we've all talked about, the various things and the financial uh, implications it's had on a variety of clubs and the amount of cuts that have had to be made at clubs. The majority of the teams in the country will be running at smaller squads and mm. I do think it will make it far more difficult for your Motherwell's, St Johnson's, Livingston's, Hamilton's to go through that gruelling fixture list in the first half of the season. I think that's going to be really difficult. And the reason I mention that is the reason I mention that is it could make it less of a chance that these teams are able to pinch points off the old firm through the season. Yeah. It could think, be think, that yeah. it could be that it comes down to head to heads. And we always say it comes down to head to heads and then ultimately last year it didn't because Rangers sort of fell apart against the other teams. Yeah. On the back of the, the mid season break. But I think it's going to be far more difficult for the, for the I don't want to call them smaller teams. That's unfair, but you know what I mean. Um, the ones with the smaller squads and the smaller budgets, it's going to be really tough for them. Yeah, to that, that, like, that, you know, injuries and suspensions are going to really hammer them even more than they would just now. That's a big argument down south, isn't it? The fact that you can use uh, your five subs now. I saw uh, Dates. So I mean, he didn't have a full bench, did he? No, and, uh, but but the fact that uh, uh, Dean Smith, the Aston Villa manager, has complained and not complained, but just saying it's unfair because the strength of the likes of Liverpool and Manchester City, the players who they can bring off the bench, we don't have that same capability. So in many respects, it's it's it's, it's the same point, and I think it's a very good point that because of COVID and the, the financial impact it will have, it, it's going to take its toll on. On a lot of uh, a lot of the clubs in Scotland, because they can't have the depth in their squad where they can bring players in, and with the volume of games, they need to be very very fortunate with their injury lists. We'll turn to Brendan Rodgers now, gents, if that's okay. So the ex Celtic manager has been speaking today on the Michael Belvin podcast, and, and he's obviously discussed his Celtic departure numerous times now. Obviously, it happened in uh, February 2019, but he made. Some people would call it evolution, but maybe not to Celtic fans stating that Celtic are a bigger club than Leicester. That's something, Chris, that you've said numerous times on social media uh, when the move happened. But are you quite maybe surprised by the timing of Rod? Leicester pushing for Champions League? If you were a fan of Leicester, would that be something that ups you, or is it something that's maybe Celtic's planetary? Celtic's planetary? Youngie, I'm sorry, Chris, but I mean, that's a bit like me saying Ronnie O'Sullivan's a better snooker player than me. Of course yeah. he has. Is he? Celtic is a bigger club than Leicester, of course they are. Leicester support are going to Champions League. I think they're going okay. I wonder if we can get you back on track. Is that kind of the thing you want to hear? Is that, is that maybe try to build bridges before a potential tender or maybe come back for a, a photo op? What did that, is that maybe what you down the road? <laughs> I, I've got to say, I'm with Swanee on this. I, 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 I hate these pissing fights. And that's what it is, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's that's exactly what it is, isn't it? I mean, it is self-explanatory. Celtic are a bigger club. Um, I, I don't think we should be reading too much into this. When I, when I made the comment about Celtic reserves being bigger than Leicester, that wasn't uh, an attack on Leicester, albeit it, uh, you know, a lot of people have, have seen it that way. I was just trying to emphasise the size of Celtic as a football club around the world. Leicester are a great football club. They won the Premier League not so long ago, which was probably the greatest ever achievement, uh, Premier League winning uh, achievement that there has been. I think they're 5,000 to one, nearly relegated the season before. You can't detract away from Leicester being a good club, but they aren't in Celtic's league in terms of 
the size of the club, the size of the support. And that's all that point is. And that's what Brendan will be saying. Oh, that's what Brendan has said. There's, there's, we, we don't need to look into this and, and pan Brendan for stating the obvious. I don't think not, he ever had it anyway, Chris, no, did he? When he left, no. he said it. You know, it's yeah. Celtic a bigger club yeah. and a smaller league. He left for a bigger league and a bigger challenge. That's, and if I, that's if, I was a, if I was a Leicester fan, I wouldn't be... You know, I wouldn't be getting upset about that anyway. I'd actually be looking at the job Brendan's done this season at Leicester, thinking, blimey, we're third in the Premier League at the moment. Possibility of Champions League football that actually had a bit of a wobble since they came back after lockdown and thinking, you know, we're, we're, we're lucky that he came to Leicester. There's no doubt that when Brendan uh, left Celtic, it was under a cloud. We know all that, but we do have to move on with the whole situation it was then Brendan did a fantastic job at Celtic it was sad the way it all ended everybody was furious you're still you know Celtic fans are still furious about it but I think the, the sensible Celtic fan sits down and says he did a great job for the club he made a mistake with the timing of when he left maybe they don't forgive him because that's why that's that's what diehard fans do I understand that, but I don't, as I said, I don't like these, you know, we don't have to keep going back to pissing fights about, you know, who's who's got the biggest dad and who's the biggest club. Celtic are the biggest club. It's stating the bleeding obvious. And I think, it's, I think one other thing I would add to that is I think it's quite right what I think Scott Brown and, and Callum McGregor have said that if Celtic go on and win 10 in a row, which they are odds-on favourites to do, I think Brendan Rodgers deserves to be back and part of any sort of party or celebration or anything that takes place because he had a huge part to play in it if it happens. He did a, yeah. when he when he came in after Celtic. Well, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't suggest for a second that they were about to be overtaken by Rangers at that stage, as Brendan may have suggested on that podcast that he did. But uh, they certainly weren't in a great shape when mm. Ronnie Dyla left, and he he transformed it and he mm. got that got them flying again not Celtic yeah. flying again he deserves to be part of it and I, I agree with you Chris there will be some fans who will just never forgive but I think the more sensible ones or the more forgiving ones will realise you know looking back what a massive job he did and, wait, and if Celtic do win 10 in the row and they invite Brendan back they should invite the Leicester City players up as well to see how big the club is <laughs> celebrate celebrate with the first team and the reserves <laughs> I think that's an excellent point, Tony, as well, was the fact that Neil Lennon out this time since he's uh, replaced Brendan Rodgers. He's been very, spoke very highly of Brendan Rodgers and the fact that they, they contact each other on a regular basis. And I think that's probably been an important thing for fans as well, that after the initial kind of uh, furore after his departure, that I think everyone is moving on with it as well. I think that's a good point well made. Listen, Neil Lennon done a brilliant job taking over. That was not an easy thing to do, that situation he was in. But Neil will be the first one to admit himself that he is getting some benefit out of what Brendan Rodgers did for James Forrest, what he did for Callum McGregor, what he did for Scott Brown, how he, you know, how he helped their careers and helped them become better players. Celtic are still getting the benefit out of that. Neil Lennon's doing a brilliant job to maintain it and put his own stamp on it, but and Celtic are still the, getting the benefit. All Neil Lennon is doing is... And of course people... I should add the signing of Odson Edward. Yep. And all Neil, Neil Lennon is doing is is showing Brendan respect, which top people in football, they're all showing Brendan respect for for the career he's had in coaching and the job which he's doing. And that was never that was never the issue. I don't think people were ever really critical 
about Brendan as a whole, as a coach, there were mistakes made. But when you actually strip back what he did, invincibles, how many goals, the points, it, it was an amazing period under Brendan Rodgers. I do think Celtic fans would be very interested and hope that Leicester could get to the group stages of the Champions League to see how was it a case of the standard of player because that was that was quite an interesting argument at the time I remember being on many of the games when Celtic got battered away from home and the attitude was Brendan was too open he shouldn't be playing this way you know he would say I'm sticking by my philosophies I'm not changing you know this is the way we'll play and that's how it is and people would point back to Neil getting results against Barcelona when you know, we're playing a different style when, when Brendan's team were losing seven to Barcelona, trying to be, I wouldn't say open, but playing a different way. I, I think a lot of the Celtic fans would be interested to see how Brendan Rodgers got on in the Champions League with Leicester. Maybe they won't, maybe they wouldn't care, but I think they would like to make the comparison, some of them, to mm. see if it really was down to players. Or if it, is, or if it was I, his no, coaching that made them struggle in Europe. I think that that's a, you know, that's a very fair point. And, and I wonder you know, whether Brendan will make a change if he you know, goes into Europe with Leicester. I think it is about players. But certainly I think Brendan would reflect on some of the performances where Celtic got absolutely walloped. That was it the 5-0 at home against PSG and, you know, think about should I have been a bit more pragmatic? That's all about developing as a as a coach and a manager and, and albeit one who's been extremely success, successful. So, Chris, just a quick uh, sign off before we go we had an article last week in the website talking about the amount of players the great Xavi and Messi Ibrahimovic and Ronaldo extolling the virtues of the atmosphere of Celtic Park European night just wanted to ask you quickly is there any standout atmosphere that you can remember both in terms of one at Celtic Park and maybe one on the road and away atmosphere that sticks you to this day Tell uh, us about your volley against Juventus. No, again, I don't. Know. I don't want to talk about myself. <laughs> I don't like to talk about. I'll tell you one of the one of the best games. Uh, one of the best atmospheres. Um, I mean, the European nights always are, and I'm stating stating the obvious here. One of the best ones was the Valencia game, where we actually went out on penalties, drew drew one all uh, on on. We beat them, and they were a good Valencia team back at Celtic Park. Should have won the game. Uh, played a very good team off the park. We missed chances, and then the Osval Harren missed the missed the penalty uh, once, didn't he? Oh, uh, throw your big roommate under the yeah, bus. Yeah, no, he didn't. Oh. Yeah. The, uh, the yeah, he, he missed the first one, didn't he? The ref let him take it again, and he missed the he missed it again, didn't he? And then apparently on the way back, he uh, he t- asked the ref to take it if he could take another one. Which was quite fun, which wasn't funny at the time, but looking back at it now, it's quite funny. Quite good banter from the big fella. And let me tell you, he didn't have much banter. I roomed with him for the first six months, and uh, and within six months he was he was out of my room. He made complaints, said I was too negative. I used to wake up. I used to wake up every morning, uh, Saturday morning, when I used to wake up and say, "God, bad feeling about today, Yoss. I think we'll get pumped. I think we'll have a, you're going to have a stinker today, Yoss." And then eventually he got sick of that negativity. What did he used to say? Yeah, what did he used to say? Shut up, shut up, Sutton. I love that. Shut up, Sutton. I appreciate you as always for coming on. And thanks as always, Sonny. It's brilliant. Thank you, gents. Have a nice day. Thanks very much. All the best, Graham. See you later. See you, Graham. Thanks. 
Thanks again to Chris and Craig for joining me. We'll be back next week with all the latest from Celtic Park. Hope you can join us then. <laughs>